Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. Well, in case you can't tell, this is not Mountain Dew, and I'm not Brian Bond. I am Justin Allison. I'm the small groups pastor here. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, Thank you if you're joining us online. We want to thank you too. And uh, Brian called me yesterday about 345 and said they were down in his household. So uh, probably like a lot of your friends, a lot of your family, uh, sickness has spread amongst uh, a lot of us here at church as well. We are short a few volunteers. So if you're here today, it means two things. One, you have a supremely wonderful immune system, so way to go. And then two, uh, that you're definitely committed to being here, uh, and so we appreciate that. So we thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're going to get to Psalm 139 in just a moment, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, get your finger in the page, that, that'll help. Uh, Today, we are going to continue in our core values, and um, I've been thinking a lot lately just about some things I heard on the the radio and and from other leaders about what does it look like to lead in your area? So for me, that's small groups. Like, what does that look like uh, in light of, of all these changes that have happened in the world lately? I mean, just here recently, we've been dealing with staff shortages. I mean, literally today, our church is dealing with staff shortages. And then um, we've been dealing with, you know, inflation and all these other challenges that, that impact the way we lead our, co- our companies, our uh, employees, our homes, right? I mean, everything has been affected by a lot of changes in society lately. And so thinking through, like, what does that mean for us as a small groups ministry? We've been talking about that for what it means as us as a staff and staff meetings. And you know, it's great to be at a place where we just go, well, we're going to see what the Bible says the church is going to do. And then we're going to use those as our core values And we're going to go forward with that mentality into the future. So that's why we have core values as a church. You'll see them out on this wall over here. Uh, They're more than just slogans we like to say, although we do like to say them a lot. But um, they are based on some scripture. And today we're going to look at two of these core values. Everyone matters and saved ones find lost ones. And you probably heard Brian say last week, everything that we do as a church we want to do because it fits into our core values. We're not going to do some things that other churches do. And the reason would be that we, we're wanting to reserve our time and effort and energy and money and all of that stuff for the things that fit our core values. And excuse me, for the most part, these are things that are purposes of the church as outlined in Scripture. The one we're going to start with today, Everyone Matters, is really more of something that is uh, described in Scripture as part of the character of God and the way that God expects His people to act. And so that is why we think of it as a core value here. Everyone matters. Okay? So let's stand, and we're going to read from Psalm 139. And then I'm going to ask you to remain standing for uh, Jeremiah 1.5 But we're going to start in Psalm 139, verse 13. It says, "'You made all the delicate inner parts of my body.'" You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. 
Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And then Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. You can be seated. So you can guess where we're going here at the beginning. And we want to point out to you that when we read Psalm 139 and Jeremiah 1.5, we look at these two sets of scriptures and acknowledge that, that God is speaking to these two people. In Psalm, that's, that's David. Uh, David's writing this. He's speaking through David and, and kind of to David at the same time. And then in Jeremiah, he's talking to the prophet about what's coming for him and his life. And so in these two cases in scripture, we see that God had specially formed them and knew them and had a purpose for them and valued them when they were in their mother's womb. Okay. And so that the scriptural reason is why we as a church want to say that God values people. And to God, people begin in the womb. And so we are going to be real careful not to say that that is a statement made because of alignment with a political party or favoritism of a person, because that might change. What we're going to stand on is what God's word says because that's not going to change. That is always a purpose that we have as a church and as the people of God is to align with the character of God. And so in these two instances, we see that God knew these two people before they are born. Now, does God know everything that you're going to choose uh, even before you're born? Maybe. That's not exactly what this is saying. Um, I I mean, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. So he certainly could know all of that. But specifically in Jeremiah 1.5, this is saying that he has appointed a prophet for the nation. So he's, he, he knows that Jeremiah has appointed him and set him apart to be a certain role here. And so God knew Jeremiah and knew the purpose that he had for Jeremiah before Jeremiah was even born. So when we read that, it, it gives us some insight into the character of God here. God really values human beings. We're going to see that again in, in just a little bit when we look at Genesis. But God really values human beings. And he values us no matter what our station in life is, no matter how far along we are maturity, no matter what our abilities are, no matter what we've accomplished. Uh, I am a very goal-oriented person. I like to... Uh, I like to set out a a chart of goals at the beginning of the year and say, these are the things I'm going to accomplish. I'm going to work hard at A, B, and C. My wife gives me a hard time every year, right around Christmas. She'll go, so what are your goals next year? And I'm like, well, actually, there, (laughs) you know, I lay them out. That's just my personality. But a couple of years back, probably five years ago, I came to the realization, reading scripture, even if I never accomplish any of those God would love me just the same, okay? God loves us and cares about us, not because of anything we do for him, but because we are human beings that are created by God, and he loves us. And so uh, that means that in the 21st century, we as a church... Uh, we do care for unborn babies. We, we support, both financially and, and in a volunteer way, we support Grace House Ministries locally. If, if, uh, if we are aware of a family trying to be involved in adoption, we want to help them out. 
If we know of people who uh, need some help in raising their family, we want to help them out. We as a church, we value people. We value, we value kids. We value uh, special uh, adults who have different needs than others. Uh, I have a brother who, um, he has some special needs. And so um, my brother David and I both have the same value to God. We are human beings who are created by God and matter to God. Okay, it doesn't matter how much one is accomplished versus the other, God cares about us. And so when we look at that, it, has, it carries certain implications into our family lives as well. So when we were at home, um, a lot of you have kids, like I do. I have three kids. And if you have three kids, it might get a little loud at your house. It doesn't mind. Anybody else, get, it gets a little loud at your house. And I have one child um, who will re- remain nameless, but when they were born, they were very loud from that point on through their toddler years. And uh, you, would, you would not guess which one of my kids it was, but um, they were so loud that sometimes I would have to tell Rachel, I, I got to go to a different room. I just have to. And so I would, I would leave and I'd have to come back and get focused and say, okay, being a dad matters. I'm going to have to overcome what's going on in my head and the, the pounding to, to get back in here and do my job. And so having kids, if everyone matters, if, if, if unborn babies matter, if children matter, if they're a blessing from God, and we think they are, according to Scripture, then living your family life, it matters. The way that you treat your kids, giving them uh, attention, giving them um, focus when you're at home, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, paying attention to the, to your family, the way that you do that is a big deal. And so people matter. The way that we treat them matters. Uh, another way that, that we can live out this value of everyone matters is through, um, the way that we treat our friends and our family, right? Um, so we were talking about how we had a lot of sick people this week. Well, one of the things you can do to show them that they matter, I had the opportunity to do this this week, is you can actually take them something. I know it's a a really foreign concept, but I just kind of called this person and said, hey, I know you're having a rough morning. Can I bring you coffee or something? And they were like, well, sure. Okay. And so it's pretty simple. You just knock on the door and and you hand it to them and you run away and spray down with Lysol, right? No, (laughs) no, I didn't do that. But uh, but you, you really can do something kind for someone else to show them that they matter to God and that they matter to you. And that's part of having relationships that we talked about last week about how everyone needs others is showing them, showing other people that they have value to God and that we acknowledge that they have value to God. So uh, we're going to move on to John 3.16. John 3.16 John 3.16 in the New Living Translation says... For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Will not perish, but have eternal life. So when this verse says everyone who believes in him, it doesn't put any conditions on a person's age, on abilities, past behaviors, those things are not in view here. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
And so every person has the chance to make this choice to believe in God and to experience eternal life. And so no matter someone's past or, or abilities, you know, even this, this one is hard for me to accept, but even like hardened criminal um, who has done some horrendous things that makes a turn to follow Jesus, th- th- their consequences for their earthly actions don't go away, but God can forgive them spiritually and, and they can e- experience life in Christ. And, uh, and that is a powerful thing that God can change lives. I mean, if you think about it, the, the guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament, it sounds crazy to say this, but he actually was overseeing killing a lot of believers before God got a hold of Paul and changed his life forever. And so uh, if God can change Paul in that radical way, he can change anyone. And so I think everyone who believes in him means everyone. And so when we read scripture, we think every single person, everyone matters to God, and everyone has potential to live that eternal life if they choose to follow Jesus. And part of that has to do with our status in creation that God gave us. And so in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, uh, that, that verse, those verses appear at the end of the account of creation in the book of Genesis chapter one, where it talks about the seven days of creation. And so as that account comes to a close there, you see these two verses, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Old Testament because it talks about who we are as uh, as people in God's creation. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to keep verse 26 up on the screen first. And human beings are made at the end of creation. This is, this is something that God has, has done specially. He says they're uh, made in our image to be like us. The question is, what does that mean? How does that look? Well, it's answered. They will reign over the fish of the sea the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry on the ground. So you and I have uh, something in us from God that is a delegated authority to be over creation. We have a special standing in creation. So when we say everyone matters, every human being matters, and not just matters to God like everything else, but in a special way, unique from everything else in this world, because we're given a unique role in the world that God created. And that authority comes from our creator to reign over the world and everything in it. Uh, He has made it, and he has entrusted us with the management of his creation. So that looks a little different than some of the messages that you're going to hear in, uh, in the world we live in today, all right? According to scripture here, we are not subject to, you know, Mother Earth or anything like that, okay? We are supposed to, as humans, act in charge of uh, creation. Now, we are supposed to 
take care of creation and get it to function the way that God intended. This is uh, a scripture that occurs at the end of God listing, you know, creating water and fish and birds and all these other things. And he says at the end of each of those things, it was good. They're good. They're valuable to God. Uh, they, it, it accomplishes its goal. It's, it's created for a specific thing. And then humans are brought about at the apex of that to rule over that and to try and keep the order there. God has created order in his creation. You and I are set in charge to create order and maintain that order in the world that we live in. Some of you may be a little like me. <clears throat> you're not the uh, most organized person in the world. Uh, if you look, were to look at my bedroom and my house, you would see Rachel's side looks spotless and clean and well-organized. And then you would see my side, right? Now, it, when, when she goes over to my side and moves things around, I still go, wait a second, where did that go? I knew exactly where it was. Where, where did you move that? And she's like, how did you, there was a pile of stuff there. How did you know what was there? Because I had an order in my head. And so even if you think, well, I'm not a person who's really organized and all that stuff, God has created us as human beings with this uh, innate purpose of bringing order to the world around us. And for some of us, it looks a little different than the rest of you, but we do have an order to things, okay? And that's part of who God made us to be. And that's part of what makes us matter to God is that we have that ability to bring order to the world around us. And so part of being able to keep things in order uh, is means that you're going to hear our men's ministry talk about going hunting together and doing all these things. It's not because they hate God's creation. It's because they want to bring order to God's creation. A lot of hunters I know are talking about managing the population of the animals that they hunt. And so doing that is something that we do as a way of being managers of God's creation, keeping it functioning in the way that God intended. Okay? So um, that's what it means to reign or rule over everything and uh, the last thing that I want to talk about here is at the end of verse uh, 27. Uh, verse 27 says that God created human beings in his own image, repeats the word, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And so we're not going to sidestep this issue here. We're just going to read scripture and say God created male and female. And according to scripture, uh, when you read through the rest of it, there are some roles that male and female have. And the way that we read that, we, we look at that scripture in Ephesians 6 and some other places and say, you know, God has distinct roles for males and females. And one is not better than the other. They are, the, they are equal in God's eyes, but they are distinct in the way that they function in, in the world. And so here's, here's something else that we see. Um, it says, in the image of God, he created not man. In the image of God, he created not women. In the image of God, he created them. And uh, the New Testament talks about this glorious, um, amazing picture that marriage is of, of God functioning in the world. And so when we look at a scripture like this and we see that there's male and female, we, we think, and, and it communicates to us something that's unique because the sum of male and female living together in marriage is greater than the parts. 
And I don't know how that math works, but there's something uniquely spiritual about the way the character of God is created in that relationship of a male and female role working together in marriage. Uh, and, and it portrays the image of God. And so we are going to look at that and, and get excited about that and try to work towards that in uh, the world around us. So that is what we mean when we talk about everyone matters. Now we're going to talk about saved ones find lost ones. This is uh, a purpose of the church that has to, is traditionally called evangelism. This is where we talk about saved ones find lost ones. Because the reason we use that kind of phrasing instead of just evangelism is because evangelism kind of got in some churches, kind of got relegated to this thing that you did like once a year, you would have somebody show up on a Sunday and they would preach the message and that was our evangelism Sunday and we don't do that again the rest of the year. We don't do that here. That's not how we work. We We want evangelism. We want that to be something we're all a part of and that we all do on a regular basis. We think saved ones find lost ones means that all of us who have been changed by Jesus who have begun a relationship with God, that all of us uh, now have as a part of our mission to go out and to share that good news of Jesus Christ with others around us, to let them know what God has done in our life. And so, if you are a member of our church, I am responsible for the two text messages that you get every month that say (laughs) that we're having an outreach happen at this location and that location because we think that it really matters. And uh, one of my jobs is Austin will tell me, hey, this is what the outreach is. Will you make sure they get a text message? And so we do that. And if that bothers you, you can opt out of it. But we really think that uh, saved ones find lost ones is a scriptural principle that we want to live by in our church. And so we want everybody to be involved in it. And so that's why you get those two text messages if you're a member. If you don't get them and you want to get them, talk to one of us after, okay? Um, so let's look at Scripture for a few of the, the, uh, the themes of Scripture. I'm sorry, the theme of Scripture that we're going to look at in these following verses is, is this idea of evangelism, save ones, find lost ones. We're going to start in Matthew 9.37. And uh, Jesus is talking here. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So when you read that and you you read something about harvest and workers, I mean, what's going on here? And Jesus is using some figurative language to explain something that we assume the disciples were walking through a field as he's talking about this. And so you can imagine they're kind of looking around and he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. The Lord, so pray to the Lord in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So there's that literal meaning there that, you know, there's a harvest to be made. But as we read that and we understand what Jesus is talking about, there's a spiritual harvest there within the hearts of all of us in the world that we live in that is ripe, is ready. And all that we need to do is be willing to go out into the fields and do the work of harvesting that. And that has to do with seeing people come to, uh, to follow Jesus. And so he talks about praying for those who are in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. So there's two things that go along with that. Um, 
that we need to pray in two ways. One, that God would make us sensitive to ways that we can share the gospel uh, around, um, you know, where we are in our lives. The other would be that God would send more workers to the harvest. Pray for others to join us in the mission of Jesus Christ to go out and to preach the good news to everyone wherever we are. And do that in a way that draws people to him. So we need to pray for people to do that. And we need to look for ways for us to do that as well. The next scripture that uh, we're going to look at along this theme is Mark 16, 15. And uh, Jesus is talking here. And he sa- it says, uh, and he, Jesus, told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So as we read that, we, we get a few takeaways about the character of God and about evangelism here. Uh, anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So people who reject God will be condemned, and we, we really do believe that. But we also believe that it's because they've refused to believe God. And so that's an important distinction there. Um, we, we want people to make that choice. They have a choice whether or not they're going to follow God. But if they choose not to, that is, that is their choice. Um, and so we want to be careful in the way that we frame that. We're, we're not saying God has condemned anyone just for the sake of having fun condemning people. It's because they've chosen not to believe in him, okay? According to Mark sixteen fifteen. So you and I are called in light of that, understanding that there's a consequence that goes with those who f- refuse to believe, you and I are called to go into the world and to preach the good news to everyone. Preaching the good news to everyone. That doesn't sound, it doesn't have to be as, uh, as difficult or as, as kind of vague as it sounds. It's simply sharing the message of Jesus. That's what we mean here at Greenwood, sharing the message of Jesus, that he, that he died, he was buried, he, he rose again, that his death paid for our sins, that he rose again, just as he said, and that we have the freedom to follow him, make him the Lord of our life, and that doing that, we will experience eternal life. So it's pretty simple, the message, the way that we share Christ. So it's a little different. I, I grew up in a lot of churches that were well-meaning, and I remember going and knocking on doors. Um, and to do that, to be, a, you know, like allowed to go knock on doors or whatever and share the, the, the gospel with people, you had to go through these courses that, like, taught you this specific outline of everything, and you're supposed to, like, remember all these things. Brian likes to tell a story of one that he went through. I did, too. It was called Faith. And so there was, an, each letter stood for something, and you were supposed to talk about all of those things and share, you know, six verses for either, each point and all this stuff. And so after a 30-minute conversation, then you would ask this person. And he likes to tell the story that, you know, the first time he did it, he led somebody to Jesus using the acronym FAT instead of FAITH. And because it's hard to remember those things, right? It's a lot to take in and a lot to remember. And we're just, we're going to forget things sometimes. And we don't mean to. Um, but we, we're human and we're going to do that. And so here at Greenwood, the way that we like to do these things, the way that we like to do evangelism is we do kindness outreaches in Austin. We'll get these together. And uh, you can be a part of this no matter what your abilities are, no matter how old you are. Um, my kids come and help when we do it. And we'll just show up here at 10 right out there in a the foyer. And when we come to the foyer, 
We just kind of get in with the team. Uh, I mean, it can be anything from like going to a park and handing out stuff to maybe sitting at Starbucks or uh, used to be other coffee shop in town, Duncan. But now we just find something that we can do. Oh, there's Ironworks downtown. We've done this at too. And so there's different places we'll go and we'll pay for somebody's order when they go, oh, somebody paid for that? We're, like, we're sitting like right over there and we go, yeah, we just want you to know that God loves you. Hope you have a wonderful day. And so the message there is the kindness of God. And we're hoping that that will lead us into a conversation with them that's a spiritual conversation where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Now, it doesn't always. But that's the other thing is that you and I are not in charge of the fruit of evangelism. Saved ones find lost ones doesn't mean that we're going to keep account. And how many have you found? Because we're keeping count. That's not what we're doing, okay? It just means that we are called to have that as a pattern in our life. And we want to, we want to help you do that uh, through the outreaches that we do. Uh, we have evangelism events where, uh, I, off the top of my head, uh, we have a car show. And I'm pointing out here because that's where it takes place. But we, a lot of times, this last year, we had a car show where there was a stage out there, cars all the way around the building. And, um, you know, we get excited about the car show, not because of how many cars came and, and all of that, and how many people, but because how many people were there got to hear the message that was preached at the car show about Jesus, okay? And that's what we get excited about. And that's a simple way you can just bring somebody who likes cars to something like that. Uh, and, and experience a, a great time and hear the message of Jesus. And so you can be involved in the idea of saved ones find lost ones. Another way that you can get involved in that idea is one of our mission trips. Mission trips have opened back up. Uh, we're, I, I get to go help with one in San Antonio here in a couple months. And so we're going to go to San Antonio. We're going to help a church that's a really small church there by doing some outreaches in their community, by uh, putting on um, some children's programming and things, helping them get involved in sharing the gospel in their community the same way that we do right here in Parker County. And so we're going to do that. We're going to be that church that... Uh, says saved ones find lost ones and we're going to go out and try to find lost ones. So as a part of that, uh, we're going to get to Romans 1.16 here. And in Romans, uh, Paul is writing, inspired by God, he says these words, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And that last part has to do a lot with the age that they live in, lived in, I'm sorry, in early Christianity. They would go to uh, the Jewish synagogues, preach the, the news of Jesus because they already had the Old Testament there. Uh, you and I are predominantly Gentiles. I know we have a few ethnically Jewish people here in our, in our congregation, but most of us are ethnically not Jewish people. We are Gentiles. And so the gospel has come to us now. And so that's what that's talking about. It goes to everyone uh, and it's able to save everyone who believes. And we really do mean everyone, okay? Everyone who believes, no matter what your past is or any of that stuff, God can save everyone who believes. And at the beginning of the verse in Romans 1.16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news about Jesus. And the way that works is that you and I aren't responsible for those results. We kind of talked about that earlier. We're not responsible for the results, but we are, we are responsible for the mission. We are responsible for, for sharing the good news of Jesus with others and to not be ashamed of that. So um, 
For example, it might mean that uh, at a family gathering that we, you know, especially if you're at somebody else's house, it's not your house, you're at their house, you say, hey, can we do this? Can we pray? Can we do this or whatever? And if they say, no, we don't do that. Well, you are not ashamed of the gospel. You asked, you put it out there, you tried, and they have said no. Well, then we can move on then. We can pray for them later. We're not going to have to be ashamed of that. We, we also don't want to be pounding someone into submission. You know, it's not like you want to fight somebody for Jesus. You know, it's, it's not like that. We want to present the gospel and let God do the work there. Okay. So um, the other thing that I wanted to say on this one is that there is no opt out clause in this command. It's a command for all of us. And uh, we're going to get to that in the, in the next verse, which we'll go ahead and do now. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So, in this verse, we see that it's a command. There's actually four commands given. First one is go, so get up and go. That's first command. Second one would be to make disciples of all nations. We do that by sharing the good news of Jesus with them. We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to see that in just a few minutes in this service. And then we're going to teach these new disciples how to obey all the commands I have given. And so we do this based on the authority that Jesus had that, that he states at the beginning of this and beginning of this verse. And so based on that authority, we have three jobs to do here is to make disciples, baptize people, and to teach them to obey all the commands. And, and there's two things that I want to really share about this. The first one is that you cannot take the good news of Jesus to people who have never heard it before if you're at church every day of the week. I get it. It's a weird idea that we tell people that at our church. Like, we would love for you to be here at worship, and we would love for you to be a part of a small group and come to outreach sometimes, but we don't want you to be up here every day of the week. We want our folks to be involved in something where they're going to meet lost people. And let me just share a personal example. For me, that has been through my kids' athletics primarily. I like to coach my kids. Um, some of that is because I enjoy sports. Some of that is because I'm a little controlling. Um, but I like to coach my kids, okay? And so when I do that, I get to come into contact with a lot of different people who I wouldn't meet in, in normal situations at where I work at the church. I mean, I'm not going to meet those people. And so by doing that, I come into contact with some other people. And it can be an intentional way that I get to share the message of Jesus, invite them to church, just be a good example in their life. And so by doing that, um, that is an avenue that I like to use to be able to, to share the gospel with other people, okay? But remember, you have to go to where people are to be able to share the good news of Jesus with them. So that's the first point. The second point would be um, we, we make disciples, we baptize them, and we teach them to obey the commands. And, um, and that, that's not 
leaving them alone and just being like, great, you're saved. We're going to walk away now. Um, my son started playing football this year, uh, second grade, first and second grade football league. You can guess how many of them really knew how to play football. And so, you know, the coach instructed them. He, he taught them a few plays and all of that so that when they got to game time, when he said, okay, run a sweep to the right, they knew what he was saying. Can you imagine if, if the kids, if he, brand new kids, first or second graders, you get them together and you go, okay, uh, seven of you, you guys out there, go out there, run a sweep right. They have no clue what you're talking about, right? You'd be lucky if they uh, didn't drop the ball, which is what we did a lot, but you'd be lucky if they got any plays done right. Well, it's the same thing with believers. We can't expect people to, you know, grow in their faith if we don't teach them. And so that's kind of what we talked about last week with everyone changes. And so I'm not going to go into a whole lot more depth on that. But so these are the two principles that we wanted to talk about today, the, the two values of our church. Saved ones find lost ones, and everyone matters. And these two principles govern a lot of things that we do. We talked about our mission trips, our outreaches. Uh, we do a remarkable evening. We do a night to shine, a lot of different things because everyone matters. Okay, and so these principles guide what we do as a church. Uh, we get them from Scripture. They're not something we invent and then look for ways to support them. We want to read Scripture, see what God commands of His people, and apply them to our church. And so I hope you'll do that, and I hope that you will take these principles and apply them to your life in the ways that we've talked about today. And so at this point, I'm just going to ask everybody to go ahead and close your eyes, and bow your heads, and... Uh, and if today, if you are here and you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I am, I am a believer, I am on board with this, um, then I want you to pray for the rest of the people in here today. And, and, and the rest of you, I want to ask a couple of questions. The first one would be, you know, if you've never been at a point in your life with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never been at a point in your life where you have asked God to be the Lord of your life. We want to talk about that today because following Jesus really just takes a few things. We, we like to call it the ABCs of becoming a believer. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Every one of us has sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that God really did raise him from the dead. And as scripture says, uh, over 500 witnesses at one time can testify to this. So you have to admit, you have to believe. Then you have to confess that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then, then you will be saved. You and I can be saved if we can do those three things. And when we do that, we need to tell somebody. And so one of the ways that you can tell somebody if today you want to... Uh, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life is we're going to have a pastor. Actually, I think it'll be me because we're shorthanded today. I'll be right here at the front and uh, you can come tell me. Another thing you could do is you could text the number that's going to appear on the screen. You can just text, I did it there. Um, and so if you, today you want to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, then I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer right where you are along with me, whether you're at home or you're in this room, um, I just want you to pray these, this simple prayer with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have uh, messed up. I know I'm not perfect. Um, but I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And I want to obey your commands. 
Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, like I said, tell somebody about it. You can text the number that's on the screen. You can just text, I did it, to that number. And uh, one of the first steps of obedience, as we read in, in Scripture today, was that in Matthew 28, was that we need to be baptized. And so if you want to be baptized, then just text baptism. If you misspell it, that's okay. You can text baptism to that number. If you want to be a member, just text membership to that number. And so we would love to talk to you about those things in the coming days. um, And that's how you can let us know. So at this point, I'm going to ask you all to open your eyes. Uh, Let's actually, let's stand. We've been sitting for a while. So let's stand up. We're going to pray. And then we're going to have some announcements. God, thank you so much for the way that you have worked in the life of our church. God, thank you for your word and how it shows us how to act as a church and what we should do and our purpose in this world. Father, I pray that we would uh, look at these scriptures we've talked about today and that we would take notice of the fact that everyone matters to you and that we would seek to find ways that we can show that to other people this week. God, help us to follow that idea of saved ones, find lost ones. Show us opportunities where we can share with other people what you have done in our life and how they can follow you. God, I ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.